Good morning, and welcome to the Johnson Controls Fourth Quarter 2023 Earnings Conference Call. All participants will be in listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question, you may press star than one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press star than two. Please note today's event is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Jim Lucas, Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Good morning, and thank you for joining our conference call to discuss Johnson Controls' fourth quarter fiscal 2023 results, the press release, and all related tables that were issued earlier this morning, as well as the conference call slide presentation, can be found on the Investor Relations portion of our website at johnsoncontrols.com. Joining me on the call today are Johnson Controls Chairman and Chief Executive Officer George Oliver and Chief Financial Officer Olivier Leonetti. Before we begin, let me remind you that during our presentation today, we will make forward-looking statements. Listeners are cautioned that these statements are subject to certain risks and uncertainties, many of which are difficult to predict and generally beyond the control of Johnson Controls. These risks and uncertainties can cause actual results to differ materially from our current expectations. We advise listeners to carefully review the risk factors and cautionary statements in our most recent Form 10-Q, Form 10-K, and today's release. We will also reference certain non-GAAP measures. Reconciliations of these non-GAAP measures to the most directly comparable GAAP measures are contained in the schedules attached to our press release and in the appendix to this presentation, both of which can be found on the Investor Relations section of Johnson Controls' website. I will now turn the call over to George. Thanks, Jim, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the call today. Before discussing our fourth quarter in fiscal 2023 results, I wanted to take a moment to thank all of our employees for their quick, agile response to the cyber incident beginning in the last week of September. Our teams responded quickly and worked diligently to minimize the impact from the incident. We greatly appreciate everyone's patience from customers to suppliers to shareholders as we work through our remediation efforts. We now have the incident behind us and our operations are back to normal. Now let's begin with slide three. We feel it is important to not lose sight of the strong year we had in fiscal 2023, regardless of the impact on our fourth quarter results from the cyber incident. For the full year, we grew sales organically 8%, expanded segment margins 80 basis points to 15%, and delivered adjusted EPS growth of 17%. We saw continued strength in our service business as our efforts in maximizing our large install base are coming to fruition. In fact, we grew service 10% for the year with solid order momentum ending the fiscal year. Our total backlog grew 9% to $12.1 billion as demand remained strong across our commercial building solutions offerings. In fiscal 2023, we generated $1.8 billion in free cash flow, which represented 76% conversion. During the year, we returned $1.6 billion to shareholders via dividends and share repurchases. Our capital allocation strategy remains unchanged, targeting to return 100% of our free cash flow to shareholders through dividends and share repurchases. We have the highest conviction ever in our strategy to lead in building solutions and will continue to prioritize allocating capital accordingly toward that objective. Overall, we are pleased with our continued execution despite macro-driven headwinds over the fiscal year and believe that we are well-positioned heading into fiscal 2024 with our strong backlog and resilient service business. 
We are initiating guidance for fiscal 2024 for approximately mid-single-digit sales and adjusted EPS growth, respectively, and for free cash flow conversion of approximately 85%. Olivier will provide additional color on the guides later in the call, but fiscal 2024 will show improvement following a seasonally slower first quarter. Now, turning to slide four. Demand for our building solutions is accelerating with our customers around the globe as we are developing applied solutions to deliver outcomes that save energy and reduce emissions while improving the overall occupant experience. We are able to achieve these outcomes not only through our leading domain expertise in applied HVAC and control solutions, but also through world-class fire detection and protection and smart security solutions enabled by an industry-leading digital platform, OpenBlue. All of our systems build on each other and are complementary components of our total solutions offering. The journey starts with our customer as we design, digitize, and deploy solutions that achieve efficiency, sustainability, and decarbonization. This turnkey offering drives operations, service, and maintenance, which underpin our as-a-service offerings that make buildings smarter through our digital solutions. This helps our customers enable peak operating conditions, protect investments, and achieve the lowest life cycle cost. John's Controls is unique with our value proposition to make buildings smarter through OpenBlue. Our comprehensive ecosystem of connected digital solutions for buildings can break down silos and connect building systems regardless of equipment OEM and make them interoperable to build resiliency and efficiency. We were honored recently to be ranked number two on the Guidehouse Insights Leaderboard in an assessment of leading energy service companies. The recognition underscores our commitment to excellence and sustainability on a global scale. It is a testament to our hard work and continued commitment to helping clients meet their sustainability goals. Moving on to slide five. Fiscal 2023 saw continued strength in install orders, which creates a strong service opportunity over the life of the equipment. As we advance our digital strategy, including more than doubling our connected assets during the fiscal year, we are gathering more intelligence through data. This data allows us to better segment customer needs and create more proactive offerings across all of our domains, effectively utilizing our industry-leading service organization of over 20,000 professionals that make over 5.5 million visits annually. With our large install base, improved operations, and strong pipeline, we see a long runway of continued growth for our service business. Turning to slide six, our value creation framework remains unchanged. We truly believe we are well positioned to drive continued growth, delivering solutions across sustainable and healthy buildings while leverage, leveraging the increased adoption of Open Blue to drive margin expansion. Our pipeline remains strong in our longer cycle building solutions business as we continue to realize top line growth. Our shorter cycle businesses and global products, primarily global residential HVAC and parts of fire and security are stabilizing as the new fiscal year progresses. Converting our strong top line growth into improved margins and cash flow is our top priority. We are beginning to see our gross margins improve as supply chain disruptions continue to lessen. Within building solutions, we are also seeing stronger margins in our record backlog and as service continues to accelerate, 
we should see favorable mix as well. Cash flow is a key area of focus for us. On the receivables front, we are making progress in improving the longer collection cycle historically associated with our installed business. Inventories in our short cycle businesses continue to reduce as lead times normalize, and we are adding capacity to meet the strong demand in our applied HVAC business. As you can see, we are very excited about the opportunity ahead. I will now turn the call over to Olivier to go through the financial details of the quarter. Olivier? Thanks, George, and good morning, everyone. Let me start with the summary on slide seven. Total sales grew 3% to $6.9 billion, while organic sales increased 2% with another strong quarter from our service business, which grew 9% organically. The cyber incident was a 1% headwind in the quarter. Adjusted segment EBITA was flat over year with margins declining 50 basis points to 16%. Price cost was positive and we delivered strong productivity savings, achieving our $340 million target for the year. Turning to our EPS bridge on slide 8, adjusted EPS of $1.05 increased 6% year over year and include a $0.04 Edwin from the cyber incident. Operations contributed three cents of the growth in the quarter, benefiting from positive price cost and our ongoing SGNA and COGS actions. Below the line, we saw favorability from non-controlling interest and a lower share count. Let's now discuss our segment results in more detail on slides nine through twelve. Beginning on slide nine. Organic sales in our shorter cycle global products business, excluding the 2% headwind from the cyber incident, were flat year over year, with price offsetting a decline in volume. Global products saw continued strength in commercial HVAC, which grew high single digits after growing mid teens in the comparable period one year ago. Demand remained strong and our leading position in commercial HVAC was further extended in fiscal 2023. Client security declined low single digits as inventory further rebalanced as lead times improved materially year over year. Industrial refrigeration had another strong quarter growing over 45% driven by EMILA. Global residential decline ITINs, driven by a greater than 30% decline in North America and a high single-digit decline in rest of world. North America faced challenging year-over-year comparisons as we were still working out of a backlog from last fiscal year. In Europe, the hip-hop market overall experienced lower growth than anticipated. As our book-to-build business begins to normalize with improved lead times, our global products third-party backlog decreased 4% from the prior year to $2.5 billion and remained flat sequentially. Adjusted segment EBITDA margins declined 85 basis points against a tough comparison to 21% as continued weakness in global residential offset positive price cost and productivity savings. One of the biggest factors impacting our global products margin performance is due to lower absorption costs in global residential business. 
Moving to slide 11 to discuss our building solutions performance. Order momentum remains strong with 9% growth. Service orders grew 7% in the quarter and 11% for the full year as our transformation into a service-led organization gains momentum. Install orders increased 10%, led by double-digit orders in North America and EMILA. Organic sales grew 5%, driven by strong growth in service of 9%. Install grew 2% organically against a tough comparison. The cyber incident was a 1% headwind in the quarter. Adjusted segment EBITDA increased 5%, while margins declined 10 basis points as a higher mix of equipment installations and weakness in China offset positive price cost and saving from productivity initiatives. Strong equipment sales are an important contributor to future higher margin recurring service revenue. Building solutions backlog remains at record levels, growing 9% to $12.1 billion. Service backlog increased 12% and install backlog grew 8% year over year. Let's discuss the building solutions performance by region on slide 12. Orders in North America increased 8% with continued strength across our HVAC and controls platform, up over 20% year over year. Overall, there was robust demand in our office, data center, healthcare, government, and manufacturing sectors. Install orders increased 11% year-over-year with solid growth in new construction. Sales in North America were up 8% organically with broad-based growth across the portfolio. Our install business grew 9% with continued momentum in new construction, up 25% year-over-year. Organic sales in service grew 7% in the quarter and 8% for the full year, driven by a strong performance across our shorter-term transactional business, which is the direct result of having a large customer base. Sales across our HVAC and controls platform grew high teens year-over-year, while fire and security was flat. Segment margins expanded 70 basis points year-over-year to 15.4%, driven by ongoing productivity benefits, the continued execution of higher margin backlog, and strength in our higher margin service business. Total backlog ended the quarter at $8.3 billion, up 10% year-over-year. In Mila, orders were up 16% with solid contributions of 16% growth from both service and install. Demand in commercial remained strong, growing 50% year-over-year, driven by HVAC and security. As the decarbonization efforts in Europe continue to gain momentum, our offerings in industrial refrigeration and HVAC and controls increased orders by over 20% across the industrial sector. By region, order growth was broad-based. Sales in EMILA grew 3% organically, led by meeting growth in service with double-digit growth from both our recurring contracts and our shorter cycle transactional business. Applied commercial HVAC and fire and security grew low single digits within the quarter.
Segment EBITDA margins declined 160 basis points to 7.8%, driven primarily by execution of lower margin jobs within the backlog. Backlog was up 10% year over year to $2.3 billion. In Asia-Pacific, orders grew 3%, driven by double-digit growth in service, with healthy growth across our HVAC and controls platform. Overall, we saw strong demand in the institutional sector growing over 30%. Sales in Asia-Pacific declined 6% as the installation business was impacted primarily by weakness in China. Our service business continued the momentum of double-digit growth, increasing 11% in the quarter and 14% for the full year. Overall, fine security grew mid single digits, while HVAC and controls declined high single digits. Segment EBITDA margins declined 50 basis points to 13.5% as weakness in China offset ongoing productivity savings and positive price cost. Backlog of $1.5 billion is flat year over year. Turning to our balance sheet and cash flow on slide 13, we ended the fourth quarter with approximately $800 million in available cash and net debt declined to 1.9 times, which is lower than our long-term target range of two to two and a half times. As George mentioned, during 2023, we returned $1.6 billion to our shareholders via dividends and share repurchases. Our free cash flow conversion of 76% was better than our updated guidance. On the working capital front, our receivable collection has extended as our installation business, critical to generate our service business, has grown. We are making structural changes, such as more upfront payments, to improve our cash collection cycle in the installation business. While inventories remain elevated versus historical levels, primarily due to the challenges in our global residential businesses, we saw overhaul inventories improve five days sequentially in the fourth quarter. We anticipate further improvement entering fiscal 2024. We have the fundamentals in place to be a 100% cash conversion company over time. However, continued growth investments and some further restructuring in fiscal 2024 will be headwinds in the fiscal year. Now let's discuss our first quarter and fiscal 2024 guidance on slide 14. We're entering fiscal year 2024 with a backlog at historical levels strong momentum in our industry-leading service business, and broad-based demand across end markets. We're introducing first quarter sales guidance of approximately flat year over year as we return to normalized seasonality. Our forecast includes a roughly 1% headwind from the cyber incident, as well as continued weakness anticipated in China. We expect building solutions momentum to continue, led by our resilient service business. Global products faces a tough year-over-year comparison as we were working through elevated backlogs in the comparable quarter last year, especially in residential HVAC and certain far-end security and direct channels.
For the first quarter, we, sec- we expect segment EBITDA margin to be approximately 13% and adjusted EPS to be in the range of 48 to 50 cents. We're expecting a slower start of the year as we return to more normalized seasonality, incur the negative impact from the cyber incident, and anticipate continued weakness in China. For the full year, we anticipate global products to stabilize in the second half of 2024 as backlog continues to normalize and building solutions converts its higher margin backlog. We expect organic sales to grow approximately mid-single digits with building solutions leading the growth, particularly in service. Segment EBITDA margins are expected to expand approximately 25 basis points or greater as price cost remains positive and mix improve throughout the year. Adjusted EPS should be in the range of approximately $3.65 to $3.80, representing growth of 4 to 9% year over year. For the first quarter, we anticipate our normal seasonal cash usage with incremental impact from the cyber incident. We expect free cash flow conversion to be 85% for the full year. Our results and guidance reflect great progress advancing our service strategy enabled by digital, momentum in our commercial products offering, and we enter fiscal 2024 with strong order momentum and record backlog in our longer cycle building solutions business. With that, operator, open up the lines for questions. Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star than one on your touchdown phone. If you're using a speakerphone, we ask that you please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star than two. In respect of time, we ask you to limit yourself to one question and one follow-up question. At this time, we will pause momentarily to assemble our roster. And today's first question comes from Jeff Sprague with Vertical Research. Please go ahead. Hey, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, Maybe we could just touch on cash flow a a bit more. Um, You know, A, a, um, you know, how much much, uh, kind of recovery, you know, from the cyber incident do you kind of expect uh, embedded in this 85%? in uh in 2024 and and then also just it seems peculiar uh, olivier uh your net financial charges are going up to 420 million per year guide uh versus 280 last year um is there something going on in the factoring or something else in the you know in kind of the capital structure that would explain you know that sort of delta year over year Thank you for your question, Jeff. Uh, Regarding the free cash flow, uh, we had um, an impact in the first quarter, uh, which we believe uh, will be uh, about $200 million. Um, If you look at the guide uh, for 24 at 85%, 85%, 
Uh, that includes two elements. One, some restructuring and also some investments in CapEx to support the strong demand in our applied business. George mentioned that in his opening remarks. If you look at the levers of improvement for free cash flow, we see uh, one, uh, inventory reducing uh, as we reduce our inventory in RESI. Two, in receivables, we believe we're going to be able to demand more upfront payments as our lead time have improved. And also, we have implemented our uh, supplier financing program across the, the network, and that will help further improve DPO. To go back to your net financing charge is the byproduct of higher interest rate. Uh, we are going to refinance some debt. We have some commercial papers as well, which are uh, going to be um, uh, priced at uh, the current higher interest rate. Factoring is a small proportion of the cost. And then separately, um, could you just address, I mean, orders obviously looked pretty solid in the quarter. Was there any impact uh, from the cyber and the ability to kind of book or orders uh, either as you ended the, you know, the, the September quarter or as you've entered this particular quarter? Uh, maybe just give us a, you know, a, a little bit more color on, you know, what the challenges were, you know, in the business as you worked your way through this. Yeah, so when we look at our orders, uh, Jeff, uh, you know, obviously they continue very strong. Um, and I think we're, we're seeing strong growth in, in office data centers, healthcare, state and local government, education. Um, we, we do see manufacturing industrial bookings continue at an elevated level after a strong growth in, the, in construction starts. Uh, it is focused on the EV and semiconductor manufacturing. Um, and then when we look at our pipeline, it's very strong. And a lot of that pipeline is focused in these key verticals. I would say from a, from a booking standpoint, um, we were tracking prior to the cyber incident a, a little bit better. And, and then with, with the outage, you know, I think we were somewhat um, slowed a bit in that last week. But I, I think as we look at, you know, first quarter and for the year with the pipeline that we have, we're going to see continued strong, strong water growth. And I think when you look at our, you know, mainly around, you know, commercial HVAC trends, um, it, it's clear that we're, we're gaining share pretty much across all of the industries. That's creating, you know, significant equipment sales into our building solutions business, which is creating a, a really nice installed base that we're now capitalizing on, on the service opportunity. In building solutions, our applied orders were up uh, about 20%. And then... Um, you know, in the ducted space, when you take out Resi, our commercial uh, ducted was up, uh, you know, over 50%. So, you know, our portfolio of, of commercial HVAC is playing out strong. Um, and that ultimately is what's driving, you know, the install base within our commercial, you know, within the commercial building solutions business. Thank you. And our next question today comes from Joe Ritchie at Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Hey guys, can we start on the just the mix impact this quarter? Uh, I was a little surprised to see the business solutions business um, see a hundred million dollar impact from mix, and also because it seems like your service business has farly you know exceeded growth uh, versus install this quarter. So what what exactly is going on within business solutions that's driving negative mix? 
And, and is that expected to reverse in 2024? So if you look at uh, um, the equipment sales today, uh, particularly in, uh, in the high end of our market, we are gaining share. This is a strong part of the market. Uh, this business is very attractive for us because for $1 of hardware, we typically generate over the life cycle of the equipment another $9 of solutions, including $4 of services. And you saw also join services today. We clearly have momentum. Uh, services is, is growing um, fast, enabled by, by digital. And as, as a reminder, services is twice uh, the profit of the average of the company. So this, this mix is, is, temp, is, is based upon equipment sales, which would generate attractive profit with the service annuity and solution annuity. Okay, got it, understood. And I, I guess maybe my one follow-on question then would be on 1Q. And so uh, to look, it's December 12th. Um, we're clearly, you know, well into the quarter. You've given a fairly, you know, narrow range for the, for the first quarter. I guess I'm just trying to understand two things. Number one, uh, you know, confidence that that will be the range when you report results, and then, and then, secondly, just any any help that you can give on the bridge, because even if you adjust for the insurance settlement from last year, it seems like a relatively large decline in the first quarter, despite you know flat organic sales expected this year. So, if you look at Q1, uh, we see a strong order momentum continuing. Uh, if you look at, of course, the confidence, we have uh, now a few days to go before the end of the quarter. So that by itself answer to the question. If you look at what is happening in Q1, we have strong momentum in our building solution business, uh, service solution powered uh, uh, by digital is going fast. We see weaknesses in our global products division, particularly as it comes from Resi. We have some impact also in China. Uh, also, we have the impact of cyber, uh, which is about 1% uh, of the top line, and it's difficult to dimensionalize exactly about, about uh, uh, two cents of EPS. And last but not least, GP now is going through a more normalized seasonality uh, after a few years of supply chain impact. Thank you. And our next question today comes from Scott Davis at Melius Research. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Um, can you guys give us, a, a, kind of help us understand the materiality of data centers? It seems um, obviously really bullish commentary we've heard from, from many folks and uh, don't always think about JCI and the data center business, but certainly you guys have a, have a meaningful presence. So uh, can you help size that for us? Yes, Scott. Uh, let me let me take that one. When you look at um, you know, as we look at data centers, we've been obviously reinvesting in all of our applied product to, to have the full portfolio to be able to capitalize on what we see to be incredible growth here over the decade. And so, when you look at a typical data centers, um, but let's take a hundred megawatt data center uh, that requires roughly about 30,000 30, tons of cooling. Um, that can be served right now. The big trend is air-cooled chillers. Uh, we're the leader in the space with the investments that we've made um, in being able to deliver on those capabilities. 
Uh, and that's where we're seeing significant uh, growth uh, in serving uh, that set of customers. And, and so it can either be air-cooled or water-cooled. Of course, water-cooled, we're, we're in a strong position. Um, so roughly about 30,000 tons of cooling. So when you look at the, the market in 24, we're projecting somewhere 15 to 20 gigawatts, um, which will amount to about five tons of, of cooling needs. Now, because of our position with our strong portfolio of the full technology to serve these, we believe we're positioned to get, you know, let's say half of that volume going forward, which that the overall volume would be greater than $2 billion. And so for us, you know, this has been a position of incredible strength. A lot of that is because of our multi-generational developments we've made at our engineering center. Um, just a comment on that. We've just in the last 90 days, we've had customers representing over 20 percent of the U.S. GDP at our technology center, because as we're laying out long term plans with our customers, we're making sure we're positioned with the applications that ultimately achieve their 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 needs. And so it is a very attractive space for us, Scott. And then from a service standpoint, once once we get that 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 unit installed, we're getting very strong service growth on top of that, which will then be over the life cycle of that installation. Uh, it's, that's helpful, George. And when you think about putting, uh, you know, servicing an, an, an AI kind of uh, heat intensive data center, uh, is that higher margin? Uh, a is a higher margin, but B is a higher margin. If it is, is it higher margin because of the complexity or because of just the scale that you're just getting so much more uh, content into that facility? Yeah, I think I think it's both. I mean, the criticality of the applications that we provide and then the ability to be able to operate within those conditions. And then from a data standpoint, making sure that we're, we're secure relative to uh, what we do and how we manage the data that ultimately delivers the outcomes that we can deliver. You know, certainly the, the work that we've done around Open Blue and, and the cloud-based technology there, none of that was absolute, you know, was not interrupted at all uh, with our cyber incident. So a lot of that is we believe it's high margin service opportunity, not only at the equipment level, but then with the use of all of the data to enhance how that equipment is actually operated in their environment. Thank you. And our next question today comes from Steve Tucson with J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, good morning. Morning, Steve. Can, can you just provide a little bit more detail around the uh, impact from the cyber attack? I mean, I think you said four cents in the fourth quarter, but it was kind of late in the fourth quarter. And then in particular, you know, which businesses it impacted, just kind of the mechanics of the thing. And then just clarify what you're saying in the first quarter. I think you said $200 million in cash, but then two cents of earnings I might have missed. Um, I, I'm not sure I can reconcile, like, all those numbers. So maybe just a little more mechanical detail on the impact of the cyber attack. Let me give you uh, some of the numbers. Uh, in Q4, we, uh, we believe that the impact on the, on the top line was about 1%. It would be the same in, in Q1. What you have going on, Steve, I would go to DPS impact in a second, is what you lose in, in Q4, you, you recover some of it in Q1. Right, that's why you have those those numbers going on. So one percent in revenue in in Q4 and in Q1. The EPS impact in Q4 is about four cents, and the impact in Q1 about two cents. What is mainly impacted is everything which is short cycle. If you need to satisfy a demand for something that you need to have in inventory, if you don't have it, you lose it. That's where the impact will be. 
My 200 million impact in, in, in cash is lower collection in the, uh, in the first quarter uh, because we're not able to bill immediately as we could not bill immediately, then that has delayed collection. That's the 200 million, Steve. Steve, just, okay. uh, just when you look at the overall you know, event, um, it did, you know, create significant distraction internally. We, it wasn't one or two days. It, it actually was about three weeks, which was the better part of uh, October. So while we're able to quantify some of the impact, I, I think it's harder to, to put a number to the overall impact in, in October. Um, as you, as we, although we maintained operations, we weren't necessarily operating at, at full efficiency. Um, but I would tell you the way that our teams have responded and, and actually got back to operations has been remarkable. And so I do believe, you know, just from an overall momentum standpoint, we lost a little bit of momen- momentum in October. But I can tell you in November, December, we gained that back. Steve, uh, a final yeah. so detail. We have a substantial uh, uh, insurance coverage and a large proportion of our cost, including business disruption, will be covered by insurance. Okay, and and so I guess I'm just struggling to see how you get from like 50 cents in the first quarter, which seems like an operating base, to you know I don't know 375 for the year. That just seems like a pretty steep hill. And I mean, are you? I know you're probably assuming that you know the comps maybe get a little bit easier in some of the products businesses, but I mean, are, are you assuming like recovery, true kind of economic underlying recovery in some of those short cycle businesses for the back half of the year? So what we see happening uh, is uh, earning, earning growth to, to return uh, during Q2. Uh, what we see today is momentum in our building solution business. We talked about that at length. Equipment, services enabled by digital are resonating with our customers. We see GP stabilizing in Q2 and more normalized uh, growth in the second half for our global uh, product division. Uh, If you look at the theme for the year, uh, commercial strength, service strength, with service expected to grow high segregates plus in the year. Thank you. And our next question today comes from Julian Mitchell with Barclays. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, I I just wanted to... um understand some of the the free cash flow um, moving parts again maybe as we talk um, just dollars year on year is is the easiest thing uh, for 2024 so I think you're guiding about a hundred million dollars of net income growth um, about 300 million dollars of free cash flow growth in 2024 Um, so just trying to understand that extra kind of 200 million in the free cash um you know how much of that is is sort of capex maybe coming down or working capital coming down substantially um and just trying to understand as well what's the the full year impact of cyber in the free cash uh year on year um and if there's anything to be aware of on on factoring i know you mentioned supply chain finance thank you so if you look at the key driver free cash flow, they're going to be around um, um, working capital, mainly in, in inventory. If you look at our, our level of inventory, uh, we are at about, uh, we are closing, going to close the year at about 54 days of inventory. We used to be, uh, uh, before uh, 
those supply chain events at about 45. A, a day of inventory is worth about, you know, quite, quite a lot uh, in terms of free cash flow. So inventory is going to be a key viable. Uh, receivables also would be unchecked to declining as we are uh, improving the way we manage that particular balance sheet line. Some of that will include uh, upfront payments as our cycle um, has been improving to satisfy demand. We're able to demand for acceleration of products. We're able to demand more upfront payment. And the final one would be supply chain financing, uh, which we're now deploying across the world. Factoring would be flat year on year. Thanks, Olivier. And the the cyber 200 million free cash headwind in Q1, is that... Um, like a headwind of 200 for the year as a whole, or are you assuming you recapture most of that in cash flow in the balance of the year? It would be timing related. We'll catch that up uh, uh, in the uh, second quarter. Um, and then my follow-up question would just be on the, the pace of the EPS um, recovery through the year. Um, you know, Historically, I think Q2 is about um, 19% or so of, of full year earnings. Is that um, roughly what we should uh, expect for 2024 uh, in terms of the seasonality? In, we are going to go through a more normalized seasonality in terms of EPS performance as now the supply chain is going back to what we had pre-COVID. If you look at the themes for uh, uh, EPS, uh, earning growth expected in, in Q2, uh, momentum in building solutions have indicated, uh, GP stabilizing in Q2, and then uh, going to an increase in uh, profit contribution in the second half. Those would be the theme for the flow of EPS um, across the year. Thank you. And our next question today comes from Nigel Coe with Wolf Research. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Um, good morning. Uh, I know we've danced around this uh, a fair amount here, but uh, on the 1Q guide, Olivia, I, I really struggle to get down to that range, you know, down in flat sales and um, and the 13% segment EBITDA margin. So is there anything below the line from corporate timing, um, the you know interest or anything Anything below the line you need to think about there? Just, just any help there would, would, would be helpful. And then on the free cash flow, um, you know, the restructuring, um, I, I'm not sure if you did quantify that to Julian's question, but uh, what, what sort of payback are we, are we seeing on this restructuring action? You know, what, what should we dial in for social cost savings of 2024? So if you look, let me start with the end. Um, on free cash flow, we're going to, to have uh, uh, an impact of about 10 points of conversion to two elements. Uh, one is a higher capex, actually, due to the demand we have mainly in the, in the data center. That's about three points of conversion. And uh, restructuring, we expect uh, to have uh, seven points of conversion due to restructuring. The impact, the payback of those restructuring actions is about a year. Um, 
or below that. And we have actually quite a few projects uh, to improve the profitability of our enterprise. On, on Q1, I go back to what I indicated uh, earlier in the Q&A session, uh, momentum in building solutions, that's what we see in Q1, weakness in global product due to the resident demand, uh, some more normalized comp as the supply chain is normalizing for our global product division, and then, of course, the impact of, of cyber. Okay, and just to, on the CapEx, it just seems like it's a $60 million increase. I just, just want to just verify that. But maybe I could talk, can we, can we just like dig, dig into the EMEA uh, LA uh, segment? Uh, you know, the, the, the margins there have been struggling for so long now. Um, and, you know, we've got installation growth in orders and backlog, but installation is down 5% this quarter. So I'm just wondering if you could just maybe just talk about, you know, what's, what, what the problems are in, in, in that region and, and what some of the fixes are. So we see no structural reasons for the Mila margin to be double digits. Um, and, and we expect uh, margin to turn positive in Q2. Um, clearly, uh, we have work to do in the region. Uh, the margin profile of the region is mainly due to uh, the realization of lower margin orders into the revenue. Uh, we see that turning uh, the other way, so turning positive in Q2, Nigel. Thank you. And our next question today comes from Andy Kapowitz with Citigroup. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning. So your orders accelerated slightly, actually, in Q4, top 9%, I think, for building solutions led by North America. And I know you talked about the strength already and applied in, in markets such as data centers. But as you know, some leading indicators and non-res have been a little weaker. So do you see order growth holding up here across your businesses throughout FY24? And do you see your backlog staying around that $12.1 billion number you know, for your long cycle businesses in 2024? I think any incremental color would be helpful. Yeah, I, I, I do, Andy. And when, when we look at, uh, you know, we've got a pretty robust uh, tracking uh, across all of the, the critical markets across the regions. And we're tracking not only, you know, lead generation to conversion to to where we're positioning to, to deploy our resources and, and differentiate and, and ultimately win. So the pipeline generation has continued to be very strong. And it's in line with what I previously discussed um, as far as the segments that are driving that. And I think as we <clears throat> look at our service business, that's on the, as when you think about new projects and, and new opportunities to, to build install. So that has been very strong. And what we're also seeing is that on the service side, with the work that we've been doing uh, with not only, you know, going back into the install base, getting connectivity, getting use of the data, and then bringing forward, you know, new value propositions, we're, we're seeing significant pickup in our PSAs and being able to get longer term contracts and build the base there. So in spite of, you know, when you look, when you segment our building solutions, whether it be install still strong, and then our ability to be able to, even in an economic decline, we should, with the value proposition that we're bringing to our customers within service, I believe that that's going to continue to hold up. And so right now there's no, even though we look at the same metrics you look at, you know, Dodge starts and ABI and all of the key metrics being a little bit weaker, at the end of the day, with the, with the way that we prioritized our growth and how we're deploying our resources, we're positioned to, to capitalize on where the growth will occur. 
very helpful. And then maybe you could give us just a little more color on your expectations for global products. Do you see global residential markets, for instance, turning positive in the second half? And you know, as the greater segment turns, you know, how are you thinking about the European heat pump market? I think you mentioned you know, GP stabilizing overall in the second half, but maybe you could talk about your confidence level that destocking ends in the second quarter, as you guys mentioned. Let's start with uh, resi. You know, as we look at the U.S. Uh, resi market, obviously there was uh, challenges that set up for for resi in 2023, both in units as well as overall sales. Um, you know, with, with the with the recession, I think when we look at the the reason for that, it's higher cost equipment, it's weaker, you know, consumer spending. Um, it's now people going back to work and they're reducing their home improvement spending. So a lot of contributors to that. I do believe that as we look at the transition here with the refrigerant changes, um, we get, get into more stabilization where, you know, although there'll be less units, certainly with the, the new refrigerant uh, launches, you know, that's going to demand more price because of the, the refrigerant. And so on a sales basis, I think we're, you know, extremely well positioned now to be able to deliver our portfolio of refrigerant changes in time for the, the implementation on January 1st. Um, we have pulled ahead our new product introductions by as much as two or three months uh, to ensure that we're giving our distributors enough time to rebalance their inventory and, and ultimately restock with the new uh, 454B refrigerant products. And again, we're working with all of our constituents, right from the suppliers to our distributors to, to partners to make sure we have a smooth transition. So we do believe it, it, it normalizes and, and somewhat stabilizes uh, going forward. Um, and that's on the resi in, in North America. When you, your, your question around heat pumps, um, I think we believe across our portfolio that that uh, creates a, an incredible opportunity for us. We believe it's about a $100 billion market that's growing mid-single digits. And today we, we assess our portfolio as about a third of our sales within HVAC are, are, are heat pumps. And I do believe, although we've seen a pullback in Europe, um, and it's mainly around our JCH product that we we were planning for a, a pretty significant pickup here, 23, which ultimately didn't materialize. That maybe that's just kind of pushed to the right a bit, as uh, some of the countries in Europe have have pushed forward the the implementation date and the like. And and then as a result, I think consumers have have pulled back uh, and not ultimately capitalizing on the efficiency that, that the heat pumps. Uh, represent to them. And so we're watching that closely, but I do believe that over the next, you know, maybe it's 18, 24 months, that'll that'll come back and, and come back pretty strong. And then on the commercial side, pretty much globally, you know, we do have a leading portfolio. We're understanding now with the focus on decarbonization and sustainability that we are uniquely positioned with low G GWP refrigerants across our portfolio that we're positioned to now capitalize on that being a significant strength as we're, you know, capitalizing on some of the key uh, markets globally. So that's kind of an assessment as, as I think about where we are with heat pumps. Thank you. And our next question today comes from Noah Kay with Oppenheimer. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking the questions. And, and it's really actually building on one of Nigel's earlier ones uh, around uh, restructuring and more broadly productivity gains. Uh, you know, you got the $340 million of, of productivity savings for 2023. Uh, is it time for kind of an updated medium-term target around productivity? Uh, you know, and what do you see as the path forward to drive a stronger margin profile for the business, and how much does productivity play into that? 
So we believe, uh, Noah, that fundamentally uh, we have the ability to be a 30% incremental uh, company. Uh, we will achieve uh, improvement in margin through two levers. One, gross margin, uh, as we improve our mix, as, as we improve our operations. And the second lever is going to be through OPEX, as we keep standardizing and centralizing our operations. And uh, we have, uh, as we see, a strong portfolio of uh, ideas and, and projects to improve the profitability of, of, uh, of our enterprise. As I indicated earlier, typically those projects have a, a below one year payback. Uh, we don't think we need to update uh, today our productivity uh, programs. I think you will see that uh, being embedded in the, in the guide, Noah. No, just a comment on that. As, as we have been able to strengthen our operating system globally, it has an unidentified significant opportunities continuing um, so that we can capitalize on and ultimately continue to expand margins going forward to be able to, to get incrementals 30, 30% plus. And so the payback that we're getting on the work that we're doing is, is within, the, within a year. Yep, appreciated. Um, it, maybe a little bit surprised, uh, positively, I would say that uh, the cyber incident didn't more significantly impact the service business. W one, can you kind of explain why that was the case? Um, and, and two, uh, just just talk about how you know the the service and and install operations, um, you know performed um, during this challenging period for, for, you know, IT infrastructure for the company? No, let me, you know, just comment on the cyber incident in, as, a, as a whole. You know, what we learned is we're not alone, and this is more common, a common phenomenon uh, across uh, companies like, like ours. Uh, it certainly was unfortunate, but what I would tell you, there was incredible, remarkable work by our team uh, with our business continuity plans. And so as we, you know, we're, impacted our teams really responded well staying focused on customers continuing to to work and, and maintain operations uh, with incredible speed and focus and so with that we were obviously very proactive in how we've communicated with with suppliers customers employees to maintain our operations so that that is the foundation of, of what we were able to accomplish what i would say is is that um the agility that we saw and the ability to be able to where we were, where we did have some compromise, be able to get the, the proper set of data and make sure that we're continuing to serve um, across the board. Uh, we're able to maintain that um, and, and, and stay focused on what matters, which is ultimately delivering for our customers. So even though we had, you know, a little bit of uh, disruption in the, in the month of October, which we talked a little bit about earlier, um, I believe that the work that we've done really has positioned us strong uh, going forward. And, and we've seen that momentum come back in November and December. Thank you. And our next question today comes from Joe O'Day with Wells Fargo. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, first question, just wanted to ask on channel inventory trends. I think that first emerged as a headwind in the third quarter. I, I believe you expected to see a, a more meaningful headwind in the fourth quarter. And so can, can you size kind of what you believe you saw in the fourth quarter and then within the guide, you know, what, what type of headwind would be embedded in sort of first quarter or even second quarter of 24? And when you look at our our you know our global product um, book to build businesses that, that really depend on channel, um, 
you know, starting with Resi, certainly we saw, you know, a pullback in Resi, and that, that was obviously more so in the U.S. versus uh, globally, but overall there was a, a decline uh, within Resi. So we've been working to, to offset, you know, obviously off, offset the inventory and, and, and get positioned for what we believe the new demand to be. Um, and I think as you look at the, the book to bill, it's getting more normalized relative to, you know, on a go forward basis that we've seen the adjustment. Um, when we look, when we track our inventories, I think we're back to where we were historically relative to what's in the channel with our distributors. And so I'm somewhat optimistic that, that that's stabilizing going forward. When you look at the rest of our book to bill businesses, and it's mainly, you know, ar- around fire and security controls, the same holds true there. So we think that we're through most of the, the headwind with the, the adjustment of inventory in the channel. Uh, we've also adjusted our inventory in line with what we believe the forward-looking demand to be. And so it's important that we're positioned to be able to, to support that demand on a real-time basis, which we are. And as we go through reviews, business by business, looking at what is actually happening, we are encouraged that now we're seeing orders across the board starting to build back our backlog so that we can be positioned here through the course of 24 to, to continue to build, you know, build on the revenue base on a go forward basis. So, I mean, we're somewhat optimistic and I feel that we've, you know, the, the headwind that we saw in the, in the, you know, second, third, fourth quarter, you know, some of that's now is normalizing and we're back to, to seeing growth. And, and then um, just wanted to understand kind of project activity in the market. I think, 2023 would have seen, you know, still a lot of constraints as it relates to labor availability for projects, supply chain availability. Um, you know, what what you're seeing on that front, kind of the the smoothness of operating of of projects at this point, um, whether labor still remains a constraint, and then just just related, I mean, you know, office strength does come across as a bit of a surprise, and so any additional color on kind of what you're seeing in North America office, um, you know, any anything that. Uh, that you're doing where, where you think you might be driving share gains there? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about operations. When you look at our, our building solutions across the globe, certainly, you know, there was significant disruption where from a cycle time standpoint, some of our projects got extended a month or two. Um, as we look at where we are today, we're back to almost where we were. And what we're believing now is our, our operational our, the operating system that we've deployed, we can create now cycle time as a competitive advantage and being able to respond with the improvements that we've made within our supply chain and within our factories and ultimately within the field and how we execute on projects. So I'm, I'm very confident now that that's going to be a, a critical strength of ours. Your question relative to resources, we have been very attractive in, in being able to recruit labor um, pretty much across the globe and have not been constrained by labor um, across both our project-based business as well as our service business. And then in our critical factories, uh, we've been able to recruit, retain, and, and develop the, the, the talent that's ultimately going to be critical to delivering on our, our capabilities. So um, that, that feels very good. As relates to commercial buildings, you know, even though there's, there's, you know, a thought that maybe buildings, there's going to be a pullback, the work that we're doing within buildings is differentiating. And so as we go into a building now, especially with the focus on energy savings and decarbonization, there's no company that's consuming as much data as we are within the building. And so because of that, we can actually do upgrades and deploy 
new technologies and, and utilize our data platform, consume all of the data within the building, and in many cases get a payback on what we do within the building. And so that is our focus. And now with building standards being implemented um, in many jurisdictions, not only here in, in North America, but across the globe, we believe that that really presents a big opportunity for us um, in that space, especially with the focus on, on energy and, and decarbonization. Thank you. And our next question today comes from Dean Dre with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Just wanted to follow up on the potential timing of the insurance recovery, the business interruption insurance. Would that be a fiscal 24 event, and is that embedded in your guidance? Uh, the timing would be a 24 event. Some elements of our cost will actually be reimbursed, we believe, in, in Q1. That's the goal. So we depend when the costs are, are incurred and when we are able to prepare uh, our claims. So some of it will come in, Q, in Q1, certainly in, in this year. Okay. Well, that's, if you get that in the first quarter, that's pretty fast. So uh, that's impressive. Some of and then... Just a second question on China. Just it was called out several times as being a source of weakness, especially in, in building solutions. Um, any color there, just in terms of at the margin, um, what might be changing? Yeah. So as you, you know, as they went through different phases of COVID, we saw you know a pickup last year and, and capitalized on that opportunity. You know, we believe that we built a, a leading position. Um, in the higher end of the commercial market there uh, and have a very large installed base that we're capitalizing on to, uh, to be able to build our service business. We are concerned, you know, that the macro environment has continued to deteriorate, leading to concerns uh, of the overall slowdown now accelerating. I think um, when we look at these macro trends, uh, not only working against us, but our competitors, and uh, as we have now studied the markets and looking at verticals or looking at the overall region, we are planning um, prudently for continued pressure in China. So we hope we're a bit wrong and maybe, it, you know, it, it, it comes back a little bit stronger than we suspect right now. But that's really what's embedded in our in our guide. Thank you. And our next question today comes from Andrew Oberman with Bank of America. Please go ahead. Yes, guys. Uh, good morning. Morning, Andrew. Uh, can I just think, you know, it seems that JCI is facing, you know, as we look, more growth, more investment, more inflation, uh, so more CapEx, more working capital. So how do we think about this 100% uh, cash conversion target going forward that we are in a more growthy and more inflationary environment, right? How do you balance growth and growth opportunities and investment versus uh, cash conversion. So if you look at uh, to, to what, what we said in our prepared remarks, we believe that the fundamentals to allow our company to be a 100 free cash flow com company over time are there. Today, to your point, uh, we are investing in some parts of the business uh, to support the strong growth in high-end HVAC. Um, we believe that the level of CapEx at this level will be uh, what we need to support the growth we see in the coming uh, few years. The big levers of improvement in free cash flow are going to be around uh, working capital. I mentioned uh, uh, 
inventory, just a day of inventory, is worth about 50 million of cash. And if you look at where we are at the end of uh, FY23, at about 54 days of inventory, we used to be at 45 days of inventory. You can do the math. There was a big level of cash flow trapped in inventory. We, we are at it. Inventory are declining, as we put in our prepared remarks. We see also the ability to reduce the collection cycle. Uh, as our lead times are improving, we're going to be able to collect faster. And we are now, because of the value proposition of our offering, we're able also to demand some prepayment. So, some, so those are the, the levers. I mentioned supply chain financing as well. So um, that's basically, Andrew, what is explaining the view on, 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 uh, on free cash flow and the path to, to be, over time, a 100% free cash flow conversion company. Gotcha. And I, I just uh, just clarify, if I got it wrong, I think you had $220 million in impairments and restructuring charges. Were there incremental impairments in that number? And if yes, what were they? Go, go again. We had... Uh, Impairment charge is correct. Go again on the second part of your question. What, what assets do we impair? So we had, uh, uh, first of all, some open blue assets uh, associated with the FM uh, system acquisition. Uh, some of those assets are part of the FM portfolio. They are better, so we're going to discontinue what we have in open blue. Uh, we had an impairment associated with a business we have an, in Argentina. Uh, this uh, business is impacted by high uh, hyperinflation. And also, we had some restructuring charges. Those are the three key levers. Thank you. And our next question today comes from Brett Lindsay with Mizuho Americas. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning. Thanks. Um, just wanted to come back to price cost. You said positive for 24. Could you just discuss the pricing component within that framework and how are you thinking about incremental price actions this year? I'm just curious, you know, did the, did the cyber disruptions in any way limit your ability to capture price ask? Uh, any, any color there? So on, on price cost today, we see uh, price cost to be positive. Uh, we, we believe uh, we're going to be able to, to, to keep uh, uh, the level of pricing we saw in the second half of the year. And when you project uh, the full year, you know, we see, still see strong, you know, with the value propositions that we're bringing to our customers in, in, in building solutions, strong value propositions that we're pricing to, to and, and with the differentiation that we bring with our digital content that really drives uh, margin. And then on the product side, you know, we continue to have record launches of new product introductions, which ultimately we price to the value that we bring to the market. So we're still seeing strong pricing across, uh, across the portfolio. Okay, great. Thanks for that. And then just just quick follow up on the the capacity expansion. Uh, encouraging to hear. I, I guess maybe just a little bit more context. Is it is it just simply targeted on data center? Are there other geographies? And is there any way to to size what that investment was? Yeah, it, it's. Um, I mean, let's let's 
there, there is a big segment here that's targeted on data centers because of the position that we, we have and the strength that we have uh, earned with the, the products that we're bringing into that segment. So as I talked with Scott earlier, you know, we see a significant demand here over the next multiple years that we're positioned now to capitalize on uh, in line with the customer relationships that we have. So that's going to continue. But when you look at applied, when you look at our overall commercial HVAC um, business, you know, when we what's happened is across the board with the secular trends around decarbonization, sustainability, efficiency, um, we are uniquely positioned with our technology and the way that we develop technology. We engineer and design right from the compressor to the end market, making sure that our equipment is, is optimized for the application that we provide. As a result of that, that has a broad base positioned us to be able to now capitalize on these secular trends broad base, not just within data centers, but across many of the other verticals. And so I, as, as we think about the work that we've done to reinvest over the last three or four years and the position that we have, we have a very strong position across our applied portfolio that I believe beyond, you know, well above the, the economic growth that we're going to now be able to capitalize on because of that, that increased demand. So it's pretty broad based. Thank you. This concludes our question and answer session. I'd like to turn the conference back over to George Oliver for any closing remarks. Yeah, thank you all for your continued interest in supporting John's Controls. Uh, as we stand here today, we are set up for success through our strong foundation as we continue to build on opportunities to enhance our business from our margin profile, free cash flow generation, and growth through the digitization of our service offering. It is all about execution as we look ahead. I am confident in our global team's ability to deliver value and results for our customers and shareholders as we enter fiscal year 2024. So with that, operator, that con concludes our call today. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call, and we thank you all for attending today's presentation. You may now disconnect your lines and have a wonderful day.